Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today we have California librarian Tara Hazen with us. So Tara, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background in the library. Yeah, so um, I've been a librarian. This is my fourth year, and prior to that, I was a science teacher, so I kind of came into it that route, and I just... um, dove right into it and I presented at the CSLA conference last year um, and I'm one class away from my master's degree but I do have my um, librarian's credential already. Oh congratulations to you that's awesome. So you I mentioned earlier that you were from California so tell us a little bit about the process of becoming a librarian in your state. Yeah, so to be a librarian, a certified librarian in California, you have to have um, a teaching credential, and then you have to go back to school to get certified as a teacher librarian, which is an additional um, set of units that you have to take. And then it's only four more units to get a master's degree at that point. And so um, most of us decide to just keep going and get that master's degree. It typically comes with an extra stipend from your school if you get that master's degree. So that makes it worth it as well. Most definitely. So since teaching was first, is there a requirement that you have to teach, actually teach besides just have a certificate or? You have to have the um, teacher certification which comes with student teaching. So at minimum, you would have to do that. in my experience, just talking to other teacher librarians, most of us were teachers, um, yeah. typically English or history. I kind of came at it sideways from yeah. science. Um, but yeah, typically you are a teacher first, although there are people who just, they know that that's what they want to do and they go straight for a yeah. librarian. So is there a story behind coming from science? Like, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, growing up, my mom was a teacher and I was um, convinced that I wasn't going to do that. I saw how hard she worked and I wasn't thinking that that's what I wanted to do. And so I actually studied marine biology and I was um, a research assistant at Bodega Marine Labs for a while. Um, And then the economy kind of went down. And so um, my position wrapped up the project that I was hired for and I started substitute teaching. And so... Um, when I was substitute teaching, I discovered that, oh my gosh, I really like this. It feels great watching the kids really understand things and creating those relationships um, just was awesome. And so I actually went back for my teaching credential and I became a science teacher. Okay. And so um, as a science teacher, I, I ran all sorts of clubs and I did tutoring and I did all these extras that were what made me feel alive, but they also are what was causing me to burn out (laughs) as a teacher. And so I got to talking with our librarian at our school and she was talking about what she does as a librarian. And I think like many people, I didn't understand at the time really what a librarian's job was. You have this kind of image um, of someone who checks in and out books as the main job, especially in California, where only 9% of schools have a certified librarian. A lot of our schools have um, have technicians who are often wonderful, but you get that image of checking in and out books um, because that's what happens at a lot of schools. And so once I realized like how much a, li- a librarian can help 
students mm -hmm. and that all the things I was doing that were extras. So I was running a science club. I was doing that tutoring. I was, you know, helping students um, succeed. That mm -hmm. was like what the librarian does. Yes. And so um, I decided that I was going to take a break from teaching. And then our librarian accepted a position elsewhere and the librarian position at our school came okay. open. Yeah. And so it was just like fate. Um, and so I was encouraged to apply. Um, and then I worked towards my librarian's credential during my first um, few years in the library position. So I'm at San Jose State University. Okay. So. Okay, so you were you were in the position without the background at all, as far as learning wise, right? So at do you the have, beginning, that would be true. Yes. Yeah. So do you have any good stories for us from like those first year or two, like what that was like in the library? Um, so it was it was a big learning curve, but I got to meet with the previous librarian and she taught me, you know, some basics of cataloging and that kind of thing, um, how to cover books. And yeah. then we do, we are lucky in our district. We have a bond measure that covers um, certificated librarians at the secondary schools. And so I had other librarians to pull from. So um, the high school librarian became my mentor. And so um, he really helped me as I was processing through. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would definitely say as far as like advice for new librarians that you meet with, with other librarians. And if you can't find one in your school district, um, you should find one um, online. There's so many amazing online communities like to answer any question that you might have. Um, the one that I landed in that I love is the School Librarians Workshop on, on Facebook group. Um, and that one is amazing. And so I've been kind of sharing resources there and um, picking their brains when when I have questions, and that's okay. been amazing. And, and I don't know, did you, I might, you might've said it and I just didn't catch it, but what level of library are you working with? Oh, sorry, I'm um, a middle school librarian. So grades seven and eight. Okay, very good. All right, so tell us a little bit about right now. Like, like our, what, is, what are you doing in your district? Are you doing face-to-face? -face? Are you remote? What's going on in your area? So um, we are doing distance learning um, and, we're kind of, it's all in flux. We don't know if we'll be going back or not. Um, and yeah, so the students are at home, they have Chromebooks and then the teachers are connecting with them via Zoom. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because when I think back to when it all started, California was one of the first places we were all watching, you know, as things were closing down and, and then here we are, you know, all these months later and it's still going on. Um, so you, your kids have Chromebooks, um, your teachers are teaching them online. So what do you find yourself doing the most right now? What's really consuming all that time? So at the beginning, um, a lot of what I was doing was meeting technology information needs. So um, helping create tutorials and things about how to use the different software okay. um, platforms, both for teachers. So from that perspective, and then also for students. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was also... Um, available for appointments for teachers one-on-one -on -one, and I have office hours for students um, yes. so just connecting them with what they need okay uh, and then beyond that um, I've been doing a lot of um, ordering for digital tools to okay. supplement the collections that we have um, and then I joined um, a, a countywide initiative um, for a conversations in common where we're taking um, a book and we're using that to start um, 
equity and social justice conversations. Nice. Um, and so that's been taking up a bit of time as well. So is that with, that's with kids or is it with teachers or who? So, so um, it's designed to be used with students and families. Okay. Um, and so basically it's a book for the younger grades. We picked dreamers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, if you've read Dreamers, it's a wonderful um, book, a picture book about um, a, a woman who um, who comes over, migrates to the United States and her experience discovering the library and the books in there and how that opened up her world. And she also is telling her own story through a book. Um, and so it's just this great book to open up this conversation about belonging and about telling your story and, um, and you can choose great appropriate topics. And so right now we're creating the lesson plans and um, the guides for teachers, as well as um, putting together speaker panels um, oh. that, that people can access virtually. So it's still very much in the works, but I'm enjoying being part of that work. Exciting. Wow. Well, I might have Texas contacts for you if you need speaker panel people. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we definitely, yeah, Dreamers is definitely a, a hot topic in our area as well. And um, a lot of people um, can will definitely relate to that story, not just in California, you know, but, but all over. So great, great idea that you're doing. All right. So you've been in the library four years. And so you've seen that role transition as you left the classroom and moved into this role. Talk a little bit about the influence that, that a librarian has on a campus. So I think the influence that a librarian has is, oh gosh, so many hats with a school librarian, but um, I came from kind of a more traditional library and I'm moving it more towards a 21st century library. So I provide a lot of support for teachers and bringing in um, digital literacy as well as project-based learning with my makerspace. So I see my influence as, as making our curriculum more engaging, interesting, more current, and then taking some of that workload off the teachers because to create resor new resources or even curate new resources, that's a time intensive thing. So teachers are already, you know, very busy. And so to recreate a project that used to be a report into a podcast, that's, that's a huge job. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas if I take on that podcast part, I can work with them to take the content and my experiences and then the students are then creating media instead of just consuming it. Yeah. And so I like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think my influence is also increasing our readership. Um, I genrefied our library and then um, I'm on a fully flex schedule, meaning that my kids are not scheduled in the library. So the only way that I get them in there is during their free time. So break lunch after school or when a teacher brings them. Mm -hmm. And that creates, I mean, it's great because it uh, creates a lot of flexibility, but it's also challenging because I don't have a specific time set aside to teach media literacy. And so I actually worked with teachers and now, um, teachers bring their students during silent reading for little mini lessons. And so between the genrefication that I did my first year and that program, um, my circulation increased 66% oh, between wow. the year before and the year, the first year that I was in the library. Yeah, I just want to point out too, you did say the first year, right? That it took you, that's about how long it took you to probably genrefy your library. Cause that's a, that's a big task. Yeah. And you know, it was, I, I read so many blogs about how to do it and then fall it destiny, the, um, 
cataloging system that we use actually has the ability to run a report that will give you all your titles in a suggested genre. Ah, perfect. That was really helpful. And then uh, my first year, I had um, a lot of TAs assigned to me. Um, and so <laughs> they were my little genre-fi well, helpers. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the elves and the shoemaker. You had the, you had the little elves there for you to, to put to work. That's good. Yeah, and I think Permabound does a similar thing with like the collection analysis, you know, giving genres. So for any of the listeners, you know, look with, work with the vendors that you have and, and see if, um, if they offer that kind of thing. But if not, like she mentioned, Follett, um, TitleWise is a, is a collection analysis anybody can run, you know, whether you're using that circulation program or not, you can run that kind of report still and Permabound will do it and others. So take advantage of that and that'll cut out a lot of the work. You're not gonna have to make all those choices, <laughs> you know, on your own to do that. Well, that's awesome. So Tara, as you're looking at this coming year or the year we're in, is there any new kind of influence or things that you're planning? So I'm still really working on building my makerspace program um, and bringing in that creation aspect um, and technology access um, aspect of my program. Um, and then I'm building my um, guest speakers even more. I like seeing, um, I guess I'm, now that I'm saying this, I like kind of non-traditional sources of information. And so seeing people as information sources and seeing students as creators of information. Um, and so I, I'm really looking to build momentum with what I've started. And um, especially now that I'll be finishing up my master's degree, I'll have more time in the evenings to put into planning those things. Um, I'm excited to see where those programs take me moving forward. I love the ideas that you have now. So something that caught my eye, because um, I'm in the, some of the same Facebook groups that you're in, uh, you were talking about virtual clubs and, and how you're doing that right now. So let's go ahead and talk about those for a little bit. So to, if you don't mind, tell our audience, how, how are you or where did this come about? Where did your virtual clubs come about? So we went into distance learning back in March of last year. Um, and I had some TAs and I also um, helped lead the STEM class. And so in just talking to students, what they were saying that they were missing the most was the social aspects of school, especially at middle school when social um, socialization starts taking a bigger role, um, yeah. that peer, peer support. And so I knew going into this new year that that was still going to be something that students were missing is that connection, that chance to just find similarities with their peers and do something that's not great and not high stress, just a chance to get together. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have student clubs and we've had quite a few in the past. They usually run during lunch um, and they form kind of organically as students find other students with similar interests, but with, dis with distance learning that just can't happen. Yeah. You know, we have brand new seventh graders coming from a bunch of theater schools. They're not gonna naturally find the other kids who like anime or, you know, they're not going to end up in a classroom where they, photography comes up, you know, so I decided that as the librarian, it was my job to help foster those connections. And so I started by taking a look at the clubs that we had the prior year. And then I sent out a survey to students and I said, you know, these are the clubs, which clubs would you be interested in us continuing this year? And then what other ideas do you have? And I took that information and I made an infographic um, showing how many kids were interested in being in a club and then what clubs they were interested in continuing. And so um, 
the next step is every club has to have a staff sponsor, especially with distance learning, you have to have a staff member who's in charge of setting up the Zoom meetings. And so I presented it to our staff and I said, hey, you know, if you've done a club in the past, are you interested in continuing it? Um, Is anyone interested in maybe facilitating one of these new ideas? Um, And I took on three of the clubs myself. I tend to take on a lot. So I limited myself to three. Um, And so I do the virtual book club, the virtual drama club, um, and Technology Tuesday, which is a STEM-based club that we do on Tuesdays. Okay. Well, give us a little brief summary, like about each of those three things. So we could kind of picture what that would look like if we were thinking, maybe I need to do that for my school. Yeah. So, um with, I really wanted them to be student-based clubs. And so what I did was I started with the list of people who had applied, I shouldn't say, I started with the list of people who had responded to the survey and I set up a Google Classroom and I invited them to join. So there's like a a Google Classroom for my virtual book club. And then I invited all those students in. So normally we want the students to run the club, but when you're going virtually like this, as a teacher, I did have to facilitate the first few club meetings. Mm -hmm. And so I created a PowerPoint um, slideshow with virtual uh, book club icebreaker ideas. And so we started out our first few meetings with icebreakers and, and really just talking kind of about what we wanted to read. And then I gave them some ideas about what we could do with the book club. We could pick a book and all read it and discuss it. We could continue just discussing the book that we're reading at the time, or we could do a battle of the books, um, America's battle of the books. Yep. And they did decide to do America's battle of the books. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and so we have two teams, um, team valiant and team superior. <laughs> and um they split up and we went through the uh, list of books and I was able to get a small um, grant to fund purchasing copies of the books. Um, we still do have to bring them back in, quarantine them and send them back out. I wasn't able to get enough copies for everyone to have, you know, 30 books of their own. Um, but yeah, and so we just meet um, during their lunch period um, and we do an icebreaker. We Now we read books and we discuss and um, for the two teams at the end of the meeting, we break off into breakout rooms so they can discuss their strategy and who's reading which book. Um, And then for my drama club, um, we started out with using free little scripts um, and then playing drama games. So um, charades is a great one on Zoom. You use the private messaging feature to send um, a clue to a student where nobody else gets that chat, but that one student and they act out. Um, that, let's see, what are some other ones? I like the counting game where you try to count to 20, but nobody can say a number at the same time. Um, the mirror game is fun where one person starts moving and everyone else has to mirror their emotions. Um, so there's just quite a few games out there that you can play with drama club. Um, and then ultimately the students there did decide they want to put on a zoom play. And so, um, we selected one from theater folk, um, called hoodie. And there are, that one is actually not designed for Zoom, so we're going to have to get creative, but there are um, Zoom-specific plays out there, which are fairly easy to conduct because um, they're designed. I love that because, I mean, you've seen the choirs, you know, where they're performing or the band, but what a neat idea to do a play. Wow. I'm going to have to look for some of those. Yeah, and there's, um, the licensing is is good too, so um, you can perform it in a closed um, 
system or you can perform it live. And so there are rules, but yeah. they're pretty well, easily spelled out on the site. Okay, good to know. That's, and maybe share that link with me and I could put that in the show notes because that could be helpful if somebody wanted to think about doing yeah. And then my STEM club, um, we started out with purely online things. So that was um, Hour of Code um, and coding things like Scratch. Um, and then we've moved into 3D animation. So I actually put together kits um, for the students and I um, taught them how to make stop motion frames. I actually have an instructable on how to do that that I can share with you. Okay. Um, and they just made their clay figures um, this last meeting that we had. So we'll start actually storyboarding and animating their, their um, creations. So is this like once a week that you're meeting with each of these groups or how does, how does yeah. that? So I meet for um, an hour, um, basically 12 to one um, on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday okay. um, with wow. these groups. So once a week. Wow. But how that is so valuable. I can just see them really connecting um, and wanting to be a part of that. What an awesome thing that, that you've done. So um, if some of our listeners are thinking, well, I should try that. What, what do you think would be like some first steps if they wanted to try, try this out? So um, I think the first step would be to think about which clubs your school might be interested in, whether that's doing a survey to students. Um, and then you also want to make sure you talk to your administration, both to get their buy-in and also because um, that's part of the advocacy aspect of librarianship, um, showing your value, especially, especially in a time like now when um, book circulation is a lot more challenging and some of the other aspects of librarianship are more challenging. Um, this is one way that um, we can be valuable to our communities during distance learning. Um, okay, so start with a survey, um, then I would, um, if I'm gonna run it myself and not recruit other people, I would pick some icebreakers or some activities for those first few meetings, just to make sure that um, they go well. You, you want those first few meetings to be really fun and engaging so that you start building your membership. The kids will talk to each other and they'll have their friends come and you'll get more kids coming. Um, and then I would say, um, make sure you ask your students what they want out of their club. It's not supposed to be another class. It's not supposed to be something that's work. It's supposed to be fun and exciting and something that they leave feeling good at the end of the meeting. And I, I can tell you, I leave feeling good. Like I call my mom and I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, these, these kids, we had the best time. <laughs> and so um, just seeing their creativity and, and their share, having a chance to share and be heard, I think is important for the kids right now. And I would just think, I think everybody would just leave feeling uplifted, you know, because you, mm -hmm. you're connecting, you're laughing, you're you're doing things. So that, that is awesome. All right. So you're in school right now. Um, you're in Facebook groups right now. Um, what else, what other kind of things do you do that, that kind of inspire you and give you all these ideas to try out? So, um, I get a lot of my ideas um, from other librarians. So like you said, on, on social media, yeah. um, I also um, gather a lot of ideas just from things that inspire me or interest me. So I, I tend to get an idea like, oh, why don't we do 3D printing? And then that leads me in my own little research journey to figure out what other people have already done and how it's worked for them. Okay. Um, 
I'm not sure if that answered the question. No, no, it, it does. It definitely it does. Cause it's just people like, I, I think what you're saying, a lot of us do get our ideas from social media. Um, is, so is Facebook like the main one that you pretty much get? So I, I mainly post um, my ideas on the uh, school librarians workshop. So um, I did post the um, virtual icebreakers for my book club there recently. I posted, um, I did a, a read them all challenge. And so I created little bookmarks um, of different series and the students would check them off as they read them. Um, wow. That was to respond to um, an issue that I was having where students were coming to me and asking what's next in this series? What's next in this series? Um, and I'm by myself in the library. So I wanted a quick way to to get them to the next book in the series. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually created these bookmarks and that one got over 800 likes, <laughs> which was surprising. Um, and so um, I actually ended up posting the templates there for other librarians who wanted to make their own in case they wanted them for a series that mm -hmm. I hadn't made bookmarks for yet. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I guess I feel this obligation as a librarian to share what I've created because I've gotten a lot from the community and I feel like other people should also benefit from things that I've done that are successful um, or that I found to work for me. Yeah. So we will definitely share all the links that, that you have mentioned um, in the show notes for our listeners to be able to go and, and learn and try out. But um, if our listeners want to keep learning from you and disconnect with you, where will they find you? Where can they find you online so they could follow you or? So um, I do have a personal Facebook page and then there's a school Facebook page that I, I manage. Right. Um, and, and we can include those links. I am working on putting my resources into a blog, <laughs> but it just hasn't happened quite yet. Um, okay. But if I get that set up before this goes out, I'll definitely send you that okay. link. That's good. All right, so uh, you mentioned that you have a, your a personal Facebook and a school Facebook. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Okay. And then you mentioned, um, so you've got a library website as well that they can look at. And then instruct, talk a little bit about Instructables. I know you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, so um, instructables.com is a website um, that's for people who want to create things. So they're instructions for projects. And I found it to be a great resource when I'm thinking of projects for my makerspace. And then I started, as so many people do, using the site. And then I ended up actually creating things for the site. So on there, um, if we'll have the link to my, my creator page. You'll mm -hmm. find some um, craft projects that I've done with students that I've created step-by-step -step directions for. And then the most recent one was a scanner box. Um, so you can use just a cardboard box to create a stand that allows students to take pictures of their schoolwork to turn in during distance learning. And you can also use that, use that same stand for um, stop motion animation. And so um, basically, it's a place to share um, how to's for different projects. Okay, and I personally have not used it yet. So like when I think of like Wakelet or something else where people are sharing, we could follow somebody there so they can follow you on Instructables as well. Can you do that? I believe they can, yes. Okay, well, that's good. Well, Tara, you have shared so many fun activities today. Um, what a great way for us to think about building our community um, even then during this virtual time, you know, that we're all facing. And who knows, you may actually end up finding that some of those virtual clubs 
last once we're back face to face. You know, it might be a better way to to reach some of the people. Who knows? There's a lot we're learning right now. But um, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.